0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown. and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. It is always interesting to me that we spend a lot of time at Christmas talking about the innkeeper, who is never actually mentioned anywhere in the Scripture. But we spend no time at all talking about the one innkeeper who is mentioned. You may remember that some years ago I preached a sermon on the subject in defense of an innkeeper. This person is the familiar one in Luke chapter 2, which we ordinarily think of when preachers talk about innkeepers. That man, or it could have been a woman for that matter, that person in luke 2 is not mentioned at all there's not one shred of information the person is not identified his role is not described the character is not portrayed attitudes are not explained scripture is completely silent about that innkeeper and the birth of jesus yet we so often make him the the villain in every one of our christmas dramas You'll hear that this Christmas, I'm sure. There is, however, an innkeeper who is mentioned in the Bible. He's not a part of the traditional Christmas story, but he is mentioned. What is said about him in particular has relevance, I think, at this Christmas time. If you need to have an innkeeper, don't manufacture legends about the innkeeper of Luke 2, who's not even there or mentioned. Instead, let me invite you to take a closer look at the innkeeper in Luke chapter 10, who comes at the very climax of the parable of the Good Samaritan. So let's look together now at this very familiar story. It's recorded in our scripture, Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. Do you ever wonder why this innkeeper in the parable of the Good Samaritan is never given much attention? The only sermon I ever heard on the subject of this innkeeper was preached by a person who was at the seminary back in the days when i was there dr william hull and i'm indebted to him for what he had to say about this man but dr hull's sermon drove me back to my own library and resources concerning this innkeeper my own library of course is not as large don't i don't have as many books as some people have but i consulted over 20 books commentaries and other resources in an effort to find what others have said about this person in Luke chapter 10. In all this research, I came up with absolutely nothing at all which was written about this innkeeper. He's completely overlooked by those commenting on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Most sermons on this parable have four characters the wounded man beside the road, the priest the Levite, and the Good Samaritan. But I believe that this other person in the drama, the innkeeper, has an interesting lesson to teach all of us. It's a lesson which I would like for us to discover this morning. This man operated an inn in the Jericho area. We could call it if you want to give it a title as the Jericho Inn. <laughs> now I doubt that it was a part of a large chain of inns such as uh, best eastern motels or something like that to that end came one day a samaritan with a broken battered victim lying across his donkey that man's wounds had been bandaged his head was shining with the oil of medicine that had been applied the samaritan knocked on the door and said innkeeper give us lodging for the night this man is nearly dead i must sit up with him through the night tend to his wounds, and help him all I can. Then we're told that the next day this Samaritan took out two coins, denarii, valuable silver coins, which would cover the costs for two nights lodging. He gave these to the innkeeper and said to him, you now look after him. I've done all I can do for now. I'm in the midst of a journey, so you take over for me. If there's any more expense, I'll pay this too when I come back through here on my return trip. And that's all we have in the scripture. But what does it say? Well, like most preachers, I find that it says three things. First, here was a man who willingly inherited somebody else's problem. The innkeeper did not ask for this broken man to be dumped at his doorstep. He had made no preparation whatsoever for this. He was operating an inn, not a hospital. He was not equipped with an intensive care unit in his inn. I doubt if he even had a veterinarian on call. Imagine how this innkeeper may have felt when he answered that knock on his door and saw these two men and heard the Samaritan say, look what I got into a few miles down the road. The innkeeper could have said, well, friend, you got into it. Now you get out of it. You started it. You finish it. I don't want to take on that kind of problem. I'm a busy man trying to run this motel. It's your problem, not mine. I'm not set up to handle this. Doesn't fit into my schedule. I can't work that into my calendar. You'll have to go somewhere else. He could have said that. That kind of spirit runs fairly deeply in much of our society today, doesn't it? When we see somebody in trouble, we're often quick to say, look, have you tried Helping Hand or Associated Charities or the Red Cross? We say to those in trouble, try Traveler's Aid or the Salvation Army or go to one of the churches. We pigeonhole the services which we offer and then assume that we can live in an airtight compartment we give to the United Way and other charitable institutions. We feel that we can buy our freedom from the crushing pressures of need all around us by delegating our compassion to a host of neighbors. Now, in one sense, there's nothing wrong with this. One person simply cannot carry all the burdens of life, nor is any one person fully trained or equipped to meet everybody's needs. We do find help when we contribute to United Way, the Salvation Army, or the Red Cross, or the church, or many helping, other helping agencies. But the problem is that life is just too unpredictable to be neatly compartmentalized. This good Samaritan had no idea that he would happen up on this wounded man. The need just suddenly appeared before him, and he had to react or let that man die. He could not get on his cell phone and call 911 for help. The problem was in his hands now, and it could not have been predicted. There it was, boom. And so it is with us. Life simply has too many unpredictables in it for us to assume that we can insulate ourselves from the problems that it brings life is too interconnected now we have tried this already on the international level kind of diplomacy of isolationism america and nobody else we draw a big circle around america and say we don't want any involvement with any other country in the world but we found that that really doesn't work we are too much connected with other nations to try to be an island all to ourselves Many people have tried that on the national scene, not only international, but on the national scene, leaving to each one of our states their own identity. But we're too closely connected with other states, so the the national government sometimes has to take some responsibilities for the common good. We have those who might like this to be done on a state level also. Let, Let Greenville, let Columbia, let Charleston, South Carolina take care of themselves. Or whatever it is in the state where you live let's let uh, somebody else do it but that's impractical we're too interconnected this truth applies all the way down to the individual level as well there's simply no way of handling only the problems that we create we may try to follow a regular rigid schedule of how we do things every day but life will finally jump out from behind a dark corner and surprise you with a need which you did not anticipate, you did not bargain for, and you didn't really want. You either have to meet that need or else. Now, in meeting this need, there must be a ministry of referral. No one can do it alone. But unless you let the helpless people of life dump some of their problems on you, then you're in deep moral trouble. Many of you will remember that years ago when life was mainly rural and agricultural, we did more readily shoulder the burdens of others than we do now. When a neighbor was in trouble, when the barn burned down, when a farmer was sick and the crop had to be gathered, everybody came together and they helped each other. Now, much has changed. With more and more people living in cities and towns, we have a tendency to keep the problem of others at arm's length. Now look at that innkeeper, and look at yourself. Somebody knocked on his door. He didn't just want to pay that that Samaritan. He didn't just want a business deal. He wanted to leave a heap of, of human wreckage with that innkeeper. He wanted to dump a problem. This innkeeper may have been in the hospitality business, but life threw up on his beach, something far more. The great thing about this innkeeper was that he said, I'm going to have to respond to this. He was willing to inherit somebody else's problem. Would you or I have done the same? Well, there's a second thing about this innkeeper that I think makes him a hero, at least in my book. He took a questionable person into his inn at personal cost. You see, this traveler was wounded, battered, and broken. He very possibly could die. You know what would have happened had that man died at his inn? The religious authorities would have come and said, innkeeper, you must now turn out all of your other paying guests. Your inn is now declared to be contaminated for seven days that innkeeper would have lost all of that profit just because somebody died in his inn. And even if the man did not die, you think his presence there would be good for business? We must remember that inns back in those days were not carpeted private rooms with locked doors, king-size beds, uh, color TV with a hundred, 240 channels, efficiency apartment accommodations, all that. No ends back in those days were more like crude open stalls that faced a courtyard you could look in on everybody if you want to there was no penthouse or honeymoon suite how do you think the people who gathered around their cattle out in the courtyard would feel hearing the moaning and groaning of a man writhing in agony possibly near death oh that wouldn't be good for business at all <clears throat> Therefore, it'd be easy for this innkeeper to have said what we might well have said, fella, look to the Samaritan, fella, I, I'd like to help you personally. My heart goes out to you, but I can't mix business with personal affairs. You know, I, I work for the company. I have to answer to the stockholders who expect me to show a profit. I'm sorry, I just can't take that risk. Well, the innkeeper said, not only that you may stay, but he also went on to say, when your friend must continue his journey, you may stay on with me to look after you. I have a lot of responsibilities in running this inn, but I'll be glad to look, on it, look in on you every little while. I will add you to my impossible schedule, he said to that wounded man. This innkeeper left us a beautifully clear example in that while he was at work, He did not turn off his personal and religious concerns. Maybe during these next few weeks, you got $20 and a Christmas spirit. You find somebody who needs $20, and so you give the money and buy off your guilt feelings. Oh, that's not all bad. But is that really what this person needs most? Does that person maybe need more, uh, some education or some rehabilitation or some patient training? What he may need more than the $20, which he will maybe lose with some of his alcoholic buddies, is to be given help which will keep him from being right back in the same situation a few days later. Yes, there is a time for one-to-one help, such as the Good Samaritan gave to this victim beside the road. But there's another time when he needs to be left at an inn, where he needs an institution to undergird and to care for him. This innkeeper was willing to meet that need. There's one last thing which I think this innkeeper was willing to do. He was willing to help this man on credit with a small down payment. Look after him, said the Samaritan, and if you spend any more, I will repay you when I come back by this way. He didn't know how long it was going to be or how much it would cost. He didn't know how long this man would stay there. He didn't know what medical expenses would be necessary. Why, this could go on for a week, a month, even more. This was an open-ended commitment, which was backed up only by the word of this Samaritan. Samaritan, one who was one of the most despised minorities this world has ever known, a Samaritan of all people. The Jews refused to have no dealings at all with Samaritans. What this meant was that Samaritans did not open charge accounts with Jews. This innkeeper not only had to trust the victim, he had to trust the sponsor as well. What does this say to us today? I think it says that the most compassion begins without any certainty that you'll ever get paid back. Samaritan said, if there's anything else, I'll repay you when I return. The story didn't mean this when Jesus first told it, I think, but today I think it means something which could not have meant from the beginning. Jesus said, go out there and gather up all the basket cases gather up the poor, the maimed, the beaten, the downtrodden of this world, and bring them in. Minister to their hurts, their needs, and do all this before they will pay you for it. Do it on credit. And if there's any deficit, Jesus says he will repay us when he returns. And If you live like that, what do you think that glorious return of our Lord is going to be? How do you think you'll feel when He looks at you and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. An innkeeper nobody ever mentions. Oh, I wish we would not forget him. I wish he could be one of our heroes. That Bethlehem innkeeper, we'll never know. But this one, we do know. So are you willing to take somebody else's problem and say, I'll help you with that too? Are you willing to take that other person's problem into the structures of your life? Are you willing to do it on credit? Are you willing to help people just because they're people, and because they hurt, then the good Lord will repay us back richly and in full and running over. This is really what Christmas is all about. The best way to discover it is to remember that this good Samaritan is but a shadowy anticipation of the great good Samaritan. Only one person walks the dangerous roads of life, looking for the bleeding and the beaten who are about to die, only one person says, I will not forget. I will return, and I will not count the cost. That one person is Jesus, our Savior. He is every good Samaritan who ever lived, and he walks down the road of your life and my life and he meets us. And he says, If life has robbed you of fulfillment, I will bind up your wounds. Would you let him do that? Jesus comes right to where we are and he gives us what we need. Will you be the kind of innkeeper who helps Jesus on that way? Oh God, this Christmas can be a better Christmas than anyone ever before. As we become a good innkeeper like this man we've looked at today, and as we become more and more like Jesus, whom we need to follow even more closely. Thank you, God, for giving us your son, Jesus, whose birth we remember in these days of Christmas. We pray in his wonderful name. Amen.